The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray. But Aaron, of course, is down in Tampa Bay. Minicamp for the XFL's Tampa Bay Vipers. And what a weekend it was. I'm calling in my reliever, my ace, my special guest, Ryan Skates, to co-host on this episode after the SEC championship game in which Georgia was defeated 37 to 10 by LSU. The college football playoffs are set. The new Year's six bowl games are set. We will talk about everything that went down this past weekend and what to expect with the playoffs coming up. But first I have to remind you that obviously this episode is once again presented by prize picks. That's right. Prize Picks is once again presenting this episode of Punt and Pass, and they have that amazing offer for all of our Punt and Pass listeners. All you have to do is download the Prize Picks app or go to myprizepicks.com. Use the promo code PNP, and you get a free $25 to play and get active on Prize Picks. What is Prize Picks? It's daily fantasy simplified. All you have to do is select a few players from any sport, really, and guess if they're going to go over or under their fantasy point projections. I was doing it all day yesterday, watching NFL football, and you can do it tonight. I know the Monday Night Football game is pretty boring with the Giants and the Eagles, but all you have to do is guess if Eli Manning is going to go over or under 15.3 fantasy points and pair him with Carson Wentz. Will Carson Wentz go over or under 20 fantasy points? They got a great board up tonight. They got NHL hockey, NBA basketball, college basketball. They have everything. You can do cross-board entries. That's why they're the best. Download prize picks. Use the promo code PNP to get that free $25 play and get active or go to myprizepicks.com. Follow them at prize picks on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at DrewButler13. Follow us at Punt and Pass and follow Ryan at Ryan Skates. Ryan, what a weekend it was, man. I, I think this episode is going to be pretty centered around the SEC championship game. You and I were both there inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was awesome until the game kicked off. I thought it was like <laughs> 80 to 20 Georgia fans inside the stadium. What's funny is that walking into the stadium in Atlanta – there were a lot of purple and gold, a lot of LSU Tiger fans. I just don't know if they could afford tickets or if they were <laughs> saving up for their next trip to Atlanta when they're playing in the Peach Bowl. 
You know, I called all of my LSU friends after the game to congratulate them, and the guy who cuts my yard and the guy who pumps my gas were both <laughs> so excited for the Tigers. Of course, I'm just teasing. We have a lot of great LSU fans, but yeah, it was like a uh, it was like a Georgia home game yeah. almost. They had their little section of their fans, and then it was all Bulldogs. Uh, but it wasn't enough. Their section was having a lot more fun than the rest of the stadium, uh, without question. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And they got off to a fast start. Georgia obviously got the ball first. LSU won the toss. They deferred, right? Georgia got the ball first, and it did not exactly go that well. First play, I believe, was that long pass to Tyler Simmons from Jake Fromm. It was dropped, and kind of that big sigh of, I wouldn't call it relief, but oh, here we go took over the stadium, and really Georgia was never able to establish the run game. Uh, Open receivers were being missed. Balls that should have been caught were being dropped, and and you could not have that type of game against what is now the number one team in the nation. Man, LSU, so legit. Joe Burrow, seeing him in person, this guy's the real deal. I mean, he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. He looked like Tom Brady with wheels. I mean, I say that with zero hyperbole. He made all the right decisions. He was checking out and into plays, which he saw was presented to him by Georgia's defense, and, and it was a long day. Burrow was 28-38 for 349 yards and four touchdowns against one of the best defenses in the nation. What are your initial thoughts, Ryan, on what happened in the stadium, on the field for the Georgia Bulldogs, and really what's transpired since then. We'll obviously get to that. Coach Sam Pittman leaving to take the Arkansas head coaching job. It's silly season. We're tracking flights. We're looking at who's going to go where. Uh, This is an interesting time to be a Georgia Bulldog fan. I remember when I was at Georgia taking pre-calculus, and I'm not a math guy, and walking into that final just afraid that I was about to be exposed um, for not knowing anything about pre-calculus. And I haven't felt so exposed like I had anything to do with this game. But since that final, um, watching this Georgia team, they everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Everything that you were afraid was true about the talent level or, or the playmaking ability of this team bore fruit. It looked like the same team that played South Carolina took the field on Saturday. And instead of South Carolina on the other side, you had... Joe Burrow, who might be, you know, top three or four players I've ever seen in college football. And I have seen some awesome ones. Um, The only quarterback that I can think of um, that he reminds me of was maybe that one season with Cam Newton at Auburn where he was just unbelievable. You didn't even know who had the ball. But even Cam Newton couldn't make some of those throws that Joe Burrow made. And even Cam Newton fell behind early often. And Burrow was in total control of that game the entire time. He made our defense look silly, confused, dizzy, and he could throw the ball 60 yards in the air off his back foot. It was it was incredible. It was fun to watch him. LSU was a fun team to pull for, um, and I'm going to be pulling for him the rest of the way, obviously, but it was just so disheartening as a Georgia fan to, to be in this position again. Georgia fans, if, if, if you want to be a Georgia fan, you can't be afraid to lose. Yeah. If you want to go pull for a team that's going to win all the time, go pull for Alabama. But it takes a lot of heart, a lot of grit, and a lot of scars to pull for this Georgia program. I think one of the best tweets that I saw earlier in the week, and I certainly retweeted it, and I think you were a part of it as well. Somebody said any self-respecting Georgia fan knows that they're going to beat LSU this weekend. 
They'll beat Clemson in the Peach Bowl, and then they'll probably lose to Justin Fields in overtime in the national championship game. That is what Georgia fans come to know. But, of course, that did not happen. I got a good chuckle out of that. I'm going to point to a point in the game where I think the momentum really shifted out of Georgia's favor. Obviously, the first drop pass by Tyler Simmons. Okay, that was the first play of the game. I'm not sure if I liked the play call or not. Obviously, if it was successful, I would have loved it, but I thought Georgia was going to challenge LSU right out of the gates. Look, when Georgia finally slowed down LSU's offense, right, they went three plays for negative three yards and punted the ball to Georgia. Georgia put together a seven-play drive, took three minutes and 24 seconds off the clock at the end of the first quarter and sent Rodrigo Blankenship out for a 52-yard field goal. The score was 7 to nothing. LSU. Rodrigo has kicked up and down inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. People will most notably remember his great game in the national championship against Alabama. People will also remember his missed field goal last year in the SEC championship against Alabama. That was a huge momentum swing. But I think when Georgia and Rodrigo Blankenship missed that 52-yard field goal to put Georgia on the board, slow the game down, kick a kickoff, obviously it was going to be a touchback, and then say, hey, we're here to play. That would have been huge, but instead, he misses the 52-yard field goal left, never really gave it a chance, and then Joe Burrow and LSU march right down the field in five plays, go up 14 to nothing. That, to me, was a point in the game where everybody had to be perfect, right? Jake Fromm could not have missed the receivers that he was missing wide open, Ryan. Tyler Simmons could not have dropped that ball when he had a humongous chunk yardage game on the first play of the game. And Rodrigo Blankenship had to be perfect, and he wasn't. He was one for three, and those are the types of games. Those are the types of plays. Usually at the end of a game, Ryan, you can pick out five plays that decide the outcome of a game. And yeah, Georgia lost 37 to 10, so there's probably more than five plays. But at that point right there, to get it to 7-3 to three at the end of the first quarter and say, okay, everybody take a deep breath. We're down four. We haven't necessarily played that well, and we are in this game. Wow, what a momentum shift. Joe Burrow just saw blood in the water right there, took him right down the field, 14 to nothing LSU, and the route was on. But Rodrigo Blankenship missing that field goal, going one for three, Finishing his senior season, Ryan, at 80% field goal percentage, that's fifth in the SEC. Kind of looked at those stats yesterday, scratching my head a little bit. Look, Rodrigo gets a lot of love. I love him. Everybody loves the brand. You got to respect the specs. But I sit here and go, man, um, a lot of big game moments where I look back and say, if only we would have put that one through the uprights, I think we could have had a better chance. He finished fifth in the SEC this year in field goal percentage and 45th in the nation in field goal percentage. We'll see what kind of accolades he racks up this week. The award show is Thursday night for that Lou Groza best kicker in the nation award. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of looking at everything on the whole and – it's a big-time game. You need to be perfect. I think that's what I'm getting at. Everybody had to be perfect, and nobody was. That's why Georgia got blown out, Ryan. Well, and it's tough as a Georgia fan or, or as a college football fan in general because you're watching kids who are putting life and limb, maybe not life, but certainly limb and long-term uh, neurological health on the line for uh, zero cash compensation. So yep. it's hard to criticize. And you know that better than anybody. Of course. So does Aaron and everybody else. But um, so it's hard to criticize a player 
for something that went wrong in a game. Um, you know, when you have a coach making $7 million on the sideline coaching it and everything, but there are certain players that get more out of being at Georgia than Georgia gets out of them being at Georgia. Right. Yes. I think for those players, maybe it's fair. And I think Rodrigo Blankenship is definitely somebody who has benefited, um, disproportionately to being a Georgia athlete than Georgia maybe has benefited from him being a Georgia athlete. And that sounds like a harsh thing to say, uh, not to say that he isn't a great guy and he isn't, uh, I, I don't know him. I'm sure he's fantastic. And, but, uh, it was a tough pill to swallow to be on social media and see him openly lobbying for, uh, uh, postseason awards, which I've never seen a college football player do ever. And then come into, uh, come into the sec championship game and bat 333 against a stationary object that was tough yeah that you know that is tough and i'll speak to that as well i'm glad you brought that up ryan yes of course the lou groza award is an amazing award it's for the nation's top place kicker and has rodrigo had a career that would warrant him receiving that award probably is he going to win it on thursday i don't know i'll tell you right now i voted for him i'm on the voting committee i looked at the statistical breakdown and said i think that he deserves it um, after going one to three and probably Georgia's biggest game of the year, sure, you can't say one game makes a decision, but lobbying for the award on social media throughout the entire week, right? I, I just don't think I would have done that as a player. I won the Ray Guy Award back in 2009. Georgia was not the best football team in 2009. We had a lot of opportunities to punt the football with a lot of field in front of us because we were not moving the ball with efficiency on the offensive side of the football. But does anybody remember me winning the Ray Guy Award? Probably not. I'll just be 100% honest with you. What would I have done to get an SEC championship ring? I know hindsight's 2020. I know I may sound like an old guy yelling at the cloud right now, but I'd rather have an SEC championship ring in that moment with my teammates than the Ray Guy Award. Jeff Dantzler brought up a great point this week on the pregame show on the Bulldog Radio Network. He said, what does everybody remember Sonny Michelle for? Was he an All-SEC player? Was he an All-American? Did he win an award? Not really, but he ran that ball in the Rose Bowl. Everybody will remember sure. Sonny Michelle for those big-time game moments when he provided what needed to be done for victory. So I think in the moment, yes, the awards are great. The accolades are great. But that team's success is what's most tangible. It's what the fans remember. And if you want to be a legend, kick a 60-yard field goal against Clemson. Run that ball in in the Rose Bowl. Be like Terry Godwin and snatch that one-handed pass two years ago against Notre Dame. I just feel like George is at a crossroads right now, and it's a great place to be because 11-2 and two, Second straight Sugar Bowl, third straight SEC championship is not good enough, Ryan. And, and I like that because I think it's a great challenge for Georgia to take that step forward. I think we all have to remember that 2017 was two years ago. That was a special season, Ryan. And Will Leach wrote a great article about it saying we'll never see another season like that. And yes, Georgia was one pass away from being national champions, but you got to flip the page. Right, You walk into Sanford Stadium, that pregame video plays. It's all the 2017 season. I think it's finally time to move <laughs> forward, and hopefully we can beat Baylor. Georgia can beat Baylor in the Sugar Bowl and turn the page, probably get a new offensive line coach, obviously. Who knows what's going to happen with the offensive coordinator position. But I think now we can close that chapter and move forward. Is that too harsh, or am I, am I kind of spot on with my analysis there? 
Oh, I completely agree. I mean, nobody knows how to milk success over generations better than Georgia fans. It's only because we haven't had an opportunity to do anything else. There's still people who will show 1980 highlights yeah. at the Christmas party. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, it's, um, you know, for somebody who wasn't born until 1987, it'd be nice to, to see it in person. Um, the, uh, the, the thing that amazes me maybe about our fellow fans mentality or Georgia fans, you become, you, you fall in love with certain players and certain ideas over, you know, the course of a season. And then when maybe those players or ideas aren't good enough to win the whole thing, to accomplish the goal that everybody is not apologetic for before the season starts, you're kind of so in love with that idea. You almost start defending that over accomplishing the goal you set out for. Yeah. And what I mean by a great point is, well, you know, we didn't win the national championship or we didn't win the sec championship, but man, think about all the other teams that would kill to be us. Yep. Well, that's not, that's not what this, that's not what this is about. We didn't outspend every other school by uh, $2 million in recruiting in 2018 to come up, run to come in fifth in the college football playoff and be in a meaningless bowl game. And when you talk about the sugar bowl, the sugar bowl used to be a big deal, oh, but with yeah. the college, with the college football playoff, they have moved the goalpost. Pardon the pun. This, if without the college football playoffs, this is a citrus bowl team. So yeah. getting in, getting into the sugar bowl is not as difficult as it used to be. Um, so to be like, well, the 1980 team in 1981 and 82 all went to the sugar bowl. Well, that was a totally different setup. Um, this, you know, up until 2015, this is a citrus bowl team. Um, and that's not what we are paying our coaches for that's not what we're spending money on recruiting for that's not what they're building a 100 million dollar football office for um that it's just uh it's disappointing and uh it feels like charlie brown kicking the football every year we go full speed at lucy trying to kick the, the football and every year they seem to pull it out from under us for whatever reason and not only that they seem to uh when i say they i mean either uga or uga fans they seem to uh, yell at us for being angry about having fallen on our ass again. Yeah, you, it's uh, tough. It's you, tough. Yeah, you put out that Charlie Brown picture on the Poor Man's Game Notes Instagram at Poor Man's Game Notes. Definitely check him out and give him a follow. And I commented and I said, "Look, you can't make the kick if you don't swing." And you replied and said, "I understand, but my ass is starting to get sore. I get it, man. I, I totally <laughs> get it." And I think that was a fantastic reply to what I said, and that's the crossroads that Georgia is at. Do I trust Kirby Smart to make it right? I do. He, he just He's finishing his fourth year. Look at the talent on the roster. Look at how schools are poaching his coaching staff. Look at how schools are trying to model their recruiting after Georgia. And when I talk about poaching the coaching staff, Sam Pittman, offensive line coach formerly at Georgia, is now the head coach at Arkansas, it's expected that he'll probably grab a couple of guys and take them over to Fayetteville with him. What's going to happen with the offensive coordinator role? Last night, a lot of rumors going around that Georgia was going to go try to meet with Coach Bobo, who just got fired as the head coach at Colorado State. It's being reported that he might be the next offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Who knows? Who knows? But I have faith that Kirby Smart will be able to modernize the offense, build a scheme around the talent that they have in Athens because they have it in spades. In recruiting, we'll finish up strong. There's no doubt about it. 
Georgia's going to win the East again next year. I mean, who are we scared of? Kyle Trask in Florida? Are we scared of South Carolina, who have maybe Coach Bobo, but no legitimate? I mean, I guess you can say Helinski's a legitimate quarterback. I don't know. Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee, I'm not sold. I like where Georgia's at. I think Georgia's in a really good position. Yes, they just got beat by the best team in the nation, LSU. And it's time to look forward to 2020 and get past 2017. That's all I'm saying. Love this team. Love Rodrigo Blankenship. He's probably going to get a ton of awards this week, and it'll be so awesome. Hope J.R. Uh, J. Reed has an opportunity to win the Thorpe Parade. That'd be great for two Georgia guys to win it back-to-back. Georgia's in a great spot, okay? Yeah, it stings when you get your ass beat like that. But you got to hold your head up high, tip your cap to LSU, and say we'll be back next year. Any closing thoughts on this emotional weekend, Ryan. I, before we started, I said, I need your spiciness. You said, I think I'm just defeated. Any any closing <laughs> words to turn the page? Because I'm asking Bulldog Nation to turn the page with me. Well, it becomes an existential thing when you spend so much time and money. I mean, it's one thing for you and Aaron to 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 do it. You guys played there. It's a part of you. But for maybe somebody who just went to school there, and you're spending all these resources following a bunch of kids who you don't know. You start to wonder, well, what am I doing with my life? Um, but it is so <laughs> much it, – it is still such a good thing to be a Georgia fan, to be able to connect with other people you went to school with and get out and have great experiences uh, with friends who you've lost touch with or who all are, are all over the state. Somebody – it's a thing that brings immediate connection to other people. There's nothing better than being a Georgia fan, um, even through the losses. It's become a part of our identity. I almost wonder if Georgia fans will like it after we win because we won't have that thing that we're all looking forward to anymore. And uh, trust me, Georgia will not be afraid to leverage that to get more money out of all of us. Uh, <laughs> but um, until that day comes, uh, you know, it's, it's just tough. I do agree with you. I don't think there is a better coach or a better situation Georgia can have than what they have right now with Kirby Smart. There's no better guy to be head man. They, it's not like they are not pouring every resource they have into getting that number one football team um, and, and breaking through to that next level. The one thing as a fan I kind of hope to see uh, Kirby morph into is to be colder. He is a very uh, emotional guy and he loves the players and that's well and good, but you know, when you look around the league and consistent success comes from a lot of coaches who instilled fear more than yeah. love from their players, whether it was Spurrier or Saban and, and Coach O is an exception to that rule. Um, but, you know, we have to be colder with our personnel decisions. We have to be colder with our offensive mindset and uh, put pe- people's feelings to the wind and, and make it all about winning. Uh, that's what I hope to see from Georgia in the future. Uh, I think that that might be the missing piece. But um, at the end of the day, this is all fun. It's been a great season to be a Georgia fan. And personally, I'm relieved. I've I've been hurt as much as I can for the year. It's time to go to Christmas and New Year's and the Masters and Fourth of July. and worry about (laughs) next season when it comes. That's right. Yeah. And uh, again, Georgia playing Baylor in the Sugar Bowl on January 1st down in New Orleans. And uh, Ryan, I agree with you, man. I totally agree with you. Georgia's in a great place. I think... Most certainly, Jake Fromm will be back next year. And if you maybe are not the biggest fan of that for whatever reason, go to The Athletic and read the article that Stuart Mandel put out today. He compares Jake Fromm this year to Joe Burrow last year. And what happened with Joe Burrow 
when he was able to let it loose and was put into an offense that gave him the ability to really explore his talents as a quarterback. Could Georgia be in that same situation? Obviously, that is a ridiculously high bar, but who knows? Who knows? The statistics were extremely interesting, and um, that all remains to be seen. Okay, let's just talk really quickly about the college football playoff. It's set. Number one is LSU. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Clemson. Number four is Oklahoma. So the Peach Bowl will be number one LSU against number four Oklahoma, and the Fiesta Bowl will be number two Ohio State against number three Clemson. How did we get there? Obviously, LSU thrashed Georgia, who was ranked number four. So I think everybody was in agreement that LSU probably deserved to be the number one team. A lot of people were saying why they even were backed up to number two. You don't quite understand. Ohio State got up to a horrible start against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, but they stormed back and won 34 to 21. Again, I think having to use four quarters to beat Wisconsin, who was ranked number eighth, probably let the committee know, hey, maybe they are the number two ranked team. They win 34 to 21. And then Clemson, I mean, my God, beat Virginia in the ACC championship game, 62 to 17. Oklahoma needed overtime to beat Baylor 30 to 23 in Dallas. I just mentioned statistics, talking about that from Burrow comparison. I'm watching the selection show yesterday, Ryan. And my man, David Pollack, gets up there, and I tweeted it out. Go check it out, at Drew Butler 13. He says, I hate statistics. I can't stand statistics. <laughs> I was like, what? You're an analyst on ESPN, <laughs> and you're supposed to be breaking down these games. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because what I think he was trying to say is you don't need statistics to prove that LSU deserved to be the number one team and Ohio State should be the number two team. I think I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt with him saying that. And then Joey Galloway backed it right up and was like, yeah, I hate metrics. I, I don't look at metrics. I'm like, guys, what what are we doing? Are we just openly admitting to the public that we just let it fly and talk about whatever we feel like on any given day when discussing the college football playoff? But they got it right. They most certainly got it right here, Ryan. It's going to be a great college football playoff. And for all the people that say it should be eight teams, you're out of your mind. I mean, an 18 playoff would make absolutely zero sense this year. Give me a quick breakdown on what's going to happen in the Peach Bowl and Fiesta Bowl. I'll just tell you right now, I like Clemson a lot. I, I don't. They haven't been tested. And when they get hit in the mouth by Ohio State, we're going to see how good they really are. So you now, like Ohio granted, State? I like Ohio State over Clemson. I like LSU over Oklahoma. And then I like LSU over Ohio State. That will be a fantastic matchup if it does happen. Obviously, Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State to go to LSU. The storylines will be amazing. What's crazy about that game is that the semifinals are December 28th. The national championship is January 13th. I mean, that's like a Super Bowl lead up. And if, in fact, they do get that matchup of LSU-Ohio State, it will be amazing. I think it'll be LSU versus Clemson. I think Clemson and Brent Venables having four weeks to prepare for that Ohio State offense will be awesome because Ohio State has had trouble against Clemson in the past, and I think that this team, with their chip on their shoulder, will have an opportunity to shut down Justin Fields, get the Big Ten out of the college football playoff, and set up yet another SEC versus Clemson national championship game. It's going to be fun to watch. Bowl season is one of my favorite times. If you want a punt and pass, pick them. We did it a couple years ago. Tweet me. Let me know. We'll definitely get that going and put some prizes for the top finishers. And then the Heisman's going out this weekend. 
It's Joe Burrow. I mean, there's no doubt, right? Who would you invite, Ryan? Because I think you invite Burrow. Fields, he's had 40 touchdowns and one interception, which is just insane. And then Jalen Hurts or Trevor Lawrence might get a late invite. He finished the season extremely strong. I'd love to see uh, Hurts get an invite to New York. He's somebody who you have to love his story, even though it has come um, at our expense as Georgia fans. But I hope to see him have a strong showing in the playoff. And I think it'd be great to see him get to go to New York after making a bold decision to leave Alabama. And yet, like, as you said, I mean, he would be playing in Alabama right yeah. now. He would have played in that Auburn game. And, um, you know, you just hate it for those Alabama fans who could have had a different postseason if he had only stayed. So I'm pulling for that guy. Yeah, that would be fun to watch. I mean, the stories will really be special. You know, I never watch the Heisman ceremony, depending on what's going on this Saturday night. Maybe I tune in. I kind of want to see those those five-minute pieces. I'd love to see something on Joe Burrow when he transferred. I'd love to see something on Jalen Hurts and his family when he transferred. And Justin Fields. I mean, those are three guys who will be there, and they all transferred. So, hmm. I wonder if Georgia visits the transfer portal if Jake Fromm does, in fact, leave. A lot of attrition in Athens, probably not stopping anytime soon. We will keep you posted right here on Punt and Pass with coaching changes, players sitting out the bowl games, transfers if it happens, transfers in if they happen, and anything else that's going on around college football. And again, if you love football like I do, you watch it whenever it's on TV, even if you get a horrible Monday night football matchup like tonight, Monday, December the 9th, Giants, Eagles. Make it interesting. Get on Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PNP for a free $25 play to get active. Go to myprizepicks.com. Check out the board. All you have to do is pick a couple of players and guess if they're going to go over or under their fantasy point projections. You can do basketball, you can do hockey. You can do football, you can do college basketball, and the best part, you can make cross-sport entries. So you can go with Eli Manning tonight, and then if you like the Nashville Predators and they're playing tonight, pick a hockey player and pair him with <laughs> Eli. But all you have to do is guess over or under on their fantasy point projections, download prize picks, use the promo code PNP, and get a free $25 play. Go to myprizepicks.com. Follow them at prizepicks on Twitter and Instagram, Ryan, you are at Ryan Skates and the Poor Man's Game Notes at Poor Man's Game Notes. I'm at Drew Butler 13. Anything on the way out, my man, I really appreciate your time. And thank you for talking through this with me. It felt like a therapy session. Yeah, well, I'll send you the bill next week. <laughs> We're on to Tampa, Tampa Vipers season. I can't wait for the uh, Tampa Vipers putt and pass. I expect to be a guest host on that with Aaron having to be quarterback of the team. But um, I've joined the Tampa Bay version of the McGill Society already. I I can't wait. (laughs) What was the initial uh, donation that you had to put down to get involved in that? Yeah, I think it was I think I had to buy the owner uh, to be two Bud Lights at Hooters, and uh, I'm in. <laughs> there, uh, if so. you're a Tampa beer fan, that high ally IPA is pretty good. The Tampa Bay Vipers jersey is like 97 shades more green than the can of high ally. It is neon <laughs> green, and uh, Aaron will be looking fine on the field in that jersey. So, yes, Ryan, I appreciate it. If you ever want to jump back on the pod, you just let me know. You're always welcome. And for everybody, we'll talk to you probably on Friday. I'm going to wait to put an episode out on Friday because I want to see who wins all of the awards at the College Football Awards Show Thursday night. Download prize picks, promo code PMP. Follow us at Punt and Pass, and we will talk to you later on this week. See you.